This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance. And I'm Wong Xiaoning. October 1st was designated International Day of Older Persons. Now, with filial piety greatly emphasised in our society, we often find ourselves in a position of caring for our elderly family members. So how do we balance filial piety with our own financial obligations? Because caring for an elderly family member not only takes time, but can be expensive too. So what is the cost of elderly care and how can we prepare ourselves financially for it if we decide to take on that responsibility? Joining me to discuss this is Martin Yap, founder and CEO of Care Concierge. Good morning, Martin. Thank you for joining us now. I suppose a good start at the very beginning, if we're thinking about this topic, is to gauge what our elderly relatives or parents envision for their retirement. Do you have any tips on how to start discussing this, which honestly is, can be a very sensitive topic? What are the questions to ask? I'm going to Wong. Thank you so much for having me. Um, certainly a topic about talking about finance and uh, and retirement planning uh, with seniors is also a very sensitive thing. Um, so from based on my experience as well, I think it's all about, um, I guess, the approach that we have. So usually my approach, I think, will be to be very sensitive about it and also to be very respectful. And I think timing is always a very important thing as well. Uh, making sure that uh, it's a good time, uh, meaning that everyone's in a positive mode. Um, and also making sure that it's a very comfortable conversation rather than mm. a more direct approach. Um, but having said that, I think it really depends on um, everyone's individual. But and, and the approach is very important. I think it's just to be very empathetic and also to be more uh, casual, but to maybe perhaps have a bit more open-ended questions, you know, like, for example... Um, you know, um, what are your hopes and dreams for retirement or what kind of lifestyle do you envisage for yourself? And then slowly ease your way in. But certainly it's something that's very uh, important conversation. And and yes, it is all about the timing and, and how we frame it. Yeah. At some point, money will come into the topic. And as we know, talking about money to anyone, and I think even your own parents can be difficult. So are there any practical tips that you can give to discuss this? Because... You do want the conversation to go smoothly, but also not sound intrusive. Um, that's absolutely correct. I think the key important thing to note with uh, with parents about this um, is that uh, there used to be, uh, I mean, it's, it's very important about the respect as well, right? So the approach is that um, it's also giving them um, empowerment and ownership, especially in the conversation. So it's important to take their, um, their point of view very importantly as well, because you know, as, as children, we used to listen to them and then, you know, they used to take care of us. And now we're doing, in a sense, the, rever- the reversal of the role. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to give their opinion about things. And I think it's not to force the conversation in any way. Uh, that would be my suggestion. Again, it's really depending on uh, the timing and how you would you would um, open up the conversation. So I think those are a few tips that you can have. Uh, again, it's really about the approach when you talk to them. Okay, let's talk about the practicality of it because EPF estimates that we need to save at least 240,000 ringgit by the time we retire at at uh, 60 years old. And this means that it's going to be about 1,000 ringgit for every month's expenses till the age of 75. Honestly, is this a realistic number when we factor in aged care? How much more do we actually really need? 
Um, I think it's a, it's an interesting um, point from ETF. I think one of the things is that it's a good starting point. But to answer the question, I think it really depends on the lifestyle. Uh, having a thousand ringgit a month uh, expenses, um, in a sense, is is quite nominal. Um, but if you were to look at it, there are a lot of costs involved um, as we continue to age. Um, and I think it's not just about the um, the spending that you have on a day-to-day basis, but also to to save for a rainy day, perhaps. Mm. So perhaps to give you a little bit of a, a context, per se. So when we run our centers, uh, usually if you typically need to go to a home or need some home care services, uh, it ranges from, I guess, 3,000 ringgit to 7,000 for the full uh, care. So it really depends on the level of care required. So that only happens at a stage where you probably require more assisted care, but that can happen at any stage. And of course, there's also the independent um, uh, living retirement where you are looking at covering utility bills and boarding. So in a sense, a thousand ringgit at this day of age is also quite little. Mm. Uh, I think the key is also to then have probably a better or uh, um, additional plan in order to save more for um, for retirement living. Okay, so you mentioned the options which are for the full care required, the range three to 7,000 ringgit. So what are the criteria to determine which option is the most suitable for for the elderly person in your house? And also maybe, is it possible to do it on your own without moving into a, a home, for example? You certainly can. I think, well, it really depends on the condition for, for seniors. I think seniors... There are many different conditions that you go through, um, but to give you the different kind of options that you have, uh, certainly the most important one is actually to try to stay at a home. So we call that aging in place. I think most seniors re- uh, prefer to stay um, in the comforts of their own home. Then, of course, you've got different care options available. Uh, for example, our sister living care. That means if someone um, of a retiree per se uh, needs more assisted care and they're not able to cope, then you look at the facility. So all these are different options available. And then even ourselves, we have this thing called Clubhouse, which is like a daycare for seniors. But I think the, the important thing to look at is um, usually we look at the seniors' cognit- uh, physical condition, cognitive condition, and the mental health status as well. And then from those kind of criteria, you can see what are the things that they require. And, and there are different solutions for each different needs. What then is the price range for each of the options that, that you mentioned, actually? Okay, so I'm going to a little bit more details. Let's say mm. for home care, there, there are a few kind of options available. Uh, you could do it on a per hourly basis where a caregiver, a professional caregiver comes to the home to put, um, to help on a daily basis. We call it uh, activities a daily living. So that's the, uh, if, let's say, a, a senior requires... Uh, bathing, transferring, feeding, that kind of thing. Um, so that, that would range from an hourly basis or you can have a live-in care. So those um, hourly basis can go from 20 ringgit to 40 ringgit per se, depending on the quality of care. And then you've got money packages where you have a live-in caregiver. So that comes up to between, um, it really depends again, it comes between 3,000 to five to 6,000, depending on how long and how much they stay in as well. Then, of course, you look at uh, assisted living care. Those are the parts that um, if you lose your mobility and you need more uh, care or you talk about uh, persons with dementia and Alzheimer's, mm. uh, then you need more intensive care. So that's what we call with the assisted living side. Um, and, of course, you have nursing care for those that require perhaps maybe palliative or end-of-life care as well. Um, those ones range between 3000 to 6005 depending what it is. Uh, we have a centre called Commune which um, is a little bit more premium. So we have a lot more activities. Uh, it's, a, it's a really kind of a nice retirement space. 
Uh, that goes up to uh, 8,000 ringgit, depending on this, um, the room size and also the quality of care. Um, the other thing to note is that the, the clubhouse, the daycare centers are a bit more affordable because you only come in from a day basis um, and then you go home and stay at, at home. Right? So all about having activities and, and, and talking about building community. So that one goes around, um, you could say about, about 2005 a month just to give a, a bit of an estimate. But again, it really depends on the quality mm. and also the kind of center it is. So it's, um, there's some variables there as well. Now, Martin, it's quite common practice in Malaysian households to have a living helper from a foreign country instead of a caregiver for our elderly parents or relatives. But there's a difference between the two, right? So what kind of expectations should be set? Yeah, so usually what we call a professional caregiver um, is someone that provides care to individuals when we talk about activities of daily living uh, and the personal care needs. Mm. So a properly trained caregiver can also look at medical care, so helping to assist with um, um, administrating some sort of um, you know, medication and also monitoring the vital signs. I think the comparison is always to a live-in domestic helper, per se, uh, and the domestic helper usually looks at tasks, for example, the cooking, the cleaning, you know, helping out with the laundries and things like that. So um, they are not necessarily trained to take care of the care, the serious needs. Uh, what I mentioned about the caregiver from a um, uh, physical perspective is that the daily living care, but there's also a, a part of actually communicating and also, in a sense, being a companion as well. So that is the difference between a caregiver and a living domestic helper per se. Uh, different roles and also... Um, the professionalism to actually take care of the medical side as well as the cognitive and you know emotional sides are what the caregiver is usually very different. Okay. And in some cases, you know, our elderly folk may have had a stroke, they may have had a fall, they become immobile. Um, but with the diagnosis, of course, that they can return to their previous states. So does do we need to consider this uh, in terms of our restorative care and rehabilitation? How much will it cost actually? Because we do want to factor that in. Okay, that's a very good question. I think the key about rehabilitation really depends on the conditions as well. Mm. Perhaps maybe to give you an example of, uh, let's say, um, stroke care per se, right? Um, so when we talk about out of expenses um, that you need from the hospital, uh, usually it's the rehabilitative care after you come out from the hospital. Let's say we, we, we look at that. For stroke, uh, it's very important actually the first six months uh, to do a lot of intensive rehabilitation. And so that not just means that you have a caregiver that takes care of you, let's say um, your mobilities and uh, also to make sure that you're okay. Mm. Uh, but you also need to add in uh, uh, having a physiotherapist per se uh, that comes on a daily, daily basis. Um, and that can cost, uh, depending on the packages, uh, 100 to 150 ringgit. Um, per, session, per session, right? Yeah. Per session, yeah, that's correct. Um, and then as you continue, you might need a speech therapist um, and you might need an occupational therapist who actually helps you with getting back your mobility or your uh, motor uh, requirements as well. Mm. So once you factor all this in, that's just the services of care. Um, that, that starts getting a little bit more um, um, expensive per se, but then you also got your TCM, assuming that you have, you know, you want to do some acupuncture. So it really depends on how much you want to include in there. But I think on top of that, what people uh, would like to know as well is that you, if let's say you stay at home, the other cost includes getting medical beds, uh, commode chairs, um, and adapting your 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 facility or your house mm. so that you can actually care because everything changes during that that uh, that period. 
Um, you know, so it's it's all about having guardrails, making sure that the, the place is very safe. So these are additional costs that you include, include in there. Um, of course, if you don't do that at the home, then the, the alternative is to come to a nursing home or assisted living care where all these things are done. And then hopefully as you recover and you can slowly taper it off. So that's an example of a, a patient that is stroke um, and you try to look at recovery. But there's a lot of costs, as you mentioned, um, that you need to factor in as you go. Of course, for some people, the other option is to go the public health care route, right? We, I'm sure there are some rehabilitation services offered on the government side, which are almost, well, very affordable. Uh, that's correct. I think one thing good about Malaysia is that the government um, does support it. I think um, usually these uh, services are in, in big need. So in terms of um, how much care that you can get from there, I think firstly, they're, they're very professional in a sense. But I think if you're looking at alternatives or, or to supplement the services, then I think that's where the private part, sectors come in. So it's good to have all these alternatives. Yeah, and Martin, what about the day-to-day costs like, you know, supplements, medicines, uh, special diets, or maybe some other pharmaceutical items which are a necessity? How much can it cost someone for a month? I know the range is probably very wide. Um, absolutely correct. I think the key is, um, it, it depends on the condition as well, right? I think if you talk about medication and supplements, uh, you know, usually people would spend at least a few hundred and get, um, if you're talking about a lot of uh, supplements per se. I think it's also important to look at healthy living, mm. um, you know, so that comes into factor as well. So I think in the in, in, in that sense, a lot of costs has to be factored in if you're talking about, um, because medication is one thing, a lot of uh, seniors as well, uh, do take multiple medication for multiple different things as well. Yes. Uh, but yes, these things all have to be factored in. I've been speaking to Martin Yap, founder and CEO of Care Concierge on taking care of our elderly. We'll be taking a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9. The Business Station. BFM 89.9, welcome back. You're tuned in to Ring It and Sense. I'm Wong Xiaoning. Today's topic is about taking care of our elderly. And joining me to discuss this is Martin Yap, founder and CEO of Care Concierge. Martin, I, I do want to talk about this, about moving someone into uh, a home. Now, in Malaysia, or I think in Asian societies, there is still some stigma attached to it. So from your experience, sometimes what are the examples where could, this could actually be the best solution for both sides? I think now the stigma is slowly changing. I think it's also about perceptions. I think if you talk about uh, the perception that you mentioned about looking, oh, are we um, putting some uh, our parents into an old folks home or are they abandoning? I think these things are slowly changing. I think it's also important to know why. Uh, the firstly is that our centres are also becoming, uh, in terms of the quality of care, um, I think it's it's getting better um, and, and the perception is changing. The important thing is about building communities, right? Mm. It's also about the social aspect of it. So if you have a very nice environment, um, like our centres do, um, then the stigma changes. And then the question is about having a good quality of life. The second thing also is that um, it's if you have a good um, you know centre, uh, the other thing also is to talk about the family as well, because it's not easy to actually take care of parents, especially if you talk about those that have, let's say, dementia, Alzheimer's, mm. where um, even the very fact is that it's actually a, uh, a difficult situation for the caregiver. And if it's a family caregiver, you also have to take care of 
of your, you know, your children, you, you know, you have to work and things like that. So it may be difficult to, to let go in terms of that. But um, because you have centers that are different in terms of the quality um, and you're comfortable with that, so it could be a better solution actually for everyone. Uh, we have a lot of residents actually when they come over here, um, they, they actually, uh, just an example, right? They actually have a better time because they are meeting other people as well. Um, and, they also, and we also talk about the quality of life and the activities that they do. So it's not necessarily doom and gloom in that sense. And uh, now that's why the perception is also changing. There are a lot more options available. Okay. And for example, like our clubhouse where we have seniors that come and interact and also have the care available, um, it's, it's a very different proposition. They actually love to come over to the place. And so it actually eases the burden on a lot of the family caregivers per se, that they can continue to do that. And actually relationships are actually better in that sense because when they meet with their, their family, um, they have the less stress and um, they actually interact better. How do you so bring up? But how do you bring better. up the topic, Martin? How do you bring up the topic and make that transition? So this is a very um, good point. I think it comes back to, I guess, the the empathetic part of it. Mm. Um, also, it's it's um, it also comes down to uh, the realities of it as well. Because when uh, we talk about um, a senior that needs assisted care, um, it's not so easy to care home. So I think that conversation also is about being comfortable. But having said that, I think. Uh, for our place, we generally need to make sure that the family and the person that comes in uh, is um, understands the condition and also comes and have a look at our place. So they're very comfortable with the environment before they uh, they make the decision. And, and at the same time, it's a decision for them to make okay. as well. So, and as the child, okay, what, what can I do to re- also reassure my parents that, you know, the relationship is still going to be strong? You know, do you... Do you then have to have this? Well, the conversation has to take place. But what should you do? Like visit them regularly? How do you know? How do you make sure that the ties continue to be there? I think it's a good question. Um, it's all about building that relationship. I, I think it's important that a regularity is similar to a day-to-day basis. Um, so for our residents and, and all those that we take care at home, um, yes, they do come quite regularly as well. In fact, our centres are very much a family-oriented place. I think we, mm. we always consider it an intergenerational, intergenerational place. So uh, that means is that they come in as, as often as they want. Uh, they can take them out, you know, into, to go out for sumakan, mm. that kind of thing. So it's, it's not a feeling that you are being abandoned per se. I think the key is that you're part of it. And, and the fact is that you can get better care at a facility per se. Um, but everything else is the same. You know, you have your communities to build. Um, and for the children, I think it's having that conversation that, you know, that it is it is not an abandonment part. It, there's a lot of things that you can uh, do here and I'm also part of that. Um, I'm also part of your life as well. Uh, Martin, for some of us like me, <laughs> I'll have to look after my own self uh, when I'm older. So I want to know, what kind of, how can I prepare for this? This is for my own personal knowledge. Is it possible for me to have insurance coverage to better prepare for better age care coverage in my later years? Because after talking to you, I know it's going to be a very expensive endeavour. So, well, certainly, I think it's important to plan ahead. Um, I think one thing is good is that even the insurance plans uh, these days for life insurance as well as uh, planning for critical illnesses are mm. becoming uh, more extensive and also the coverage actually goes longer. So nowadays, what I do find is that actually the coverage goes up to 
um, you know, some of the coverage goes up to 100 years, right, uh, which never had before. So you can come into the into the insurance program at, uh, I think, about 70 years old or maximum. But so you could shoot, start as early as possible to get into that. Um, I think the other question is that whether or not there are some investments that you do so that you can save up enough money. Um, so the, all these are very good conversations to think about long term because at the end of the day, it's all about saving up for the rainy day and also to make sure that you have a quality of life. So it is important to have this conversation early on. It's not just for seniors, mm. but also like you mentioned that ourselves, we need to start thinking as early as possible. Um, what are the ways that we can do this? Yeah. Now, speaking from a child's perspective, I always think that there's always some measure of guilt involved when you're talking about, let's say, sending your parents to residential care or even on a daily basis, even if they're living at home with you, that you aren't doing enough, that you aren't doing your best. It's like reverse parenting. So it's not always financial, but sometimes emotional. And how, how do you deal with these issues? Um, actually, this is a very important point. I think it's, I think that if you think about it, I think it's about giving uh, the care to your parents mm. and uh, you try as best as you possibly can. And I think no one should actually feel guilty about that. And I think it's also about the awareness that um, there are a lot of options available and you're doing the best that you can. So, and, and the other thing to note is that it's not easy taking care of parents. I think everyone in the society as well um, needs to understand. And, and usually if you go through the process or, you know, taking care of parents, myself as well, uh, we know it's not easy. So that's a supportive part of the element that community also should be part of. Um, and, and understanding that means that you also are aware that you may need help, right? Um, and to these days, it is okay to ask that because at the end of the day, it's also our personal emotional um, uh, strength as well, right? In, in order to make sure that you yourself are taken care of, you know, it's about your mental health as well. And then therefore, you can take care of your parents uh, well. So all these options are actually there to support you. Um, but definitely you should not feel guilty because it's not easy to take care. And there's also professional care available that actually can help and supplement it. So you still are part of the, uh, you know, uh, for the children to be very much involved, but all the medical care, all the emotional parts that um, that you can actually help uh, by getting professional care actually helps to this kind of relationship. So it's important not to feel guilty. And I think it's for society to understand that it is not easy to do this. So Martin, yeah. at the end of the day, it all starts with a conversation, a frank and honest one, a bit of a financial plan in terms of deciding what are the options, how much it costs, and then always maintaining that relationship by having open lines of communication. Is that the best way forward? That's pretty much well summed up, yes. Okay, that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I've been speaking to Martin Yap, founder and CEO of Care Concierge. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We have the 10am news bulletin for coming up, followed by Enterprise. I'm Wong Shaoning from The Morning Run, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.